Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 63. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man with a plan, none other than Chad Owen himself. Good evening, Brooklyn. Good morning, Sydney. Now, what you listeners don't know is that Mike and I have been powering through some technical difficulties to get this episode out to you, but we are determined to bring you our second show uh, from Brene Brown, uh, despite fire alarms, multiple microphones, technical challenges, but uh, we're here and uh, we've got some great content for you. Yeah, and look, I have to to thank you, Chad, for bringing Brene Brown to us. Um, She is incredibly unique as an author because she has the ability to talk about things that we just plain old don't want to talk about. And the previous show was great where we looked at the gift of imperfection, which for me was really all about the courage and the ability just to be yourself and and just appreciate with your inner critics. Oh, yeah. Dealing with those little voices, right? Those, Uh all those voices. voices mm -hmm. So I thought that was really insightful and has really opened up a whole new world of thinking for me. And I'm really excited to get into our second of three shows that we're doing on Brene Brown. Chad Owen, where are we going to go today? We're picking up her book, Daring Greatly, which uh, was spawned from uh, the TED Talk, which we had pulled some clips from in the previous show. But I think she went from nobody knowing, or not many people knowing who she was, to millions of people knowing who she was, uh, exposing all of her work and uh, vulnerabilities out for the world to see. And so we've got some really fantastic clips around vulnerability, connection, shame, uh, and so many more topics that I think you're right. It's just things that um, is maybe not on our radars and we're you know, thinking about how to be well-rounded entrepreneurs and innovators. Well, and it's interesting because much like uh, Simon Sinek did, Brene Brown talks about a lot of things that are really important to our success, both at work and personally, yet we spend so little time really discussing and I think uh, she talked in the in the previous show, she talked a lot about stepping into the arena as a metaphor for really having purpose and trying to realize uh, your dreams, your ambitions, and, you know, not ending up at the end of life wishing you had really gone for it. She's really kind of set up this idea of stepping into the arena, really going for it. And I think Daring Greatly is a wonderful book for those that have made that decision how you can go out there and not let the world pull you back, Uh, how you can get past the naysayers and so forth. And I think her work is so remarkable. I think we we join her at at this book where she's uh, had a very successful TED Talk. It's catapulted her like onto the world stage because nobody was daring talk about these things, yet she was willing and prepared to do it. And Look, I'm really excited about the show because I think what we can enjoy is a whole series of clips that take us through the origins of of the book. We can explore what it means to find connection with ourselves and with others. And what we've got is some great clips around the ideas of, of worthiness and vulnerability. And if this all sounds really, really, really heavy duty, I'm not going to lie, this is pretty dense stuff, but we do have one or two funny clips 
because Brené Brown is so great at, I mean, she's a bit, she was quite prepared to be self-deprecating and admit her follies. So we've got some, uh, some funny clips as well. So it's a, it's a real treat, this show. There's lots and lots ahead. Yeah. So who better to uh, give us an introduction into Brene than Oprah herself? So we've got this fantastic clip um, where Brene was invited on to Oprah's Super Soul Sunday show. And so, yeah, let's hear uh, Oprah introduce Brene. Born in San Antonio, Brene Brown is a fifth-generation Texan. The oldest of four, Brene was raised with tough, old-fashioned, pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps Texas values. It wasn't until her mid-twenties that she discovered a deep-seated passion for teaching. And after earning her bachelor's, master's, and Ph.D., she became a professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work. Her research focuses on vulnerability, courage, shame. It led Brene to re-examine her own life and gave her the strength to open up about her own spiritual awakening in a 2010 TEDx talk, a regional version of the famous idea-sharing TED conference that spotlights innovators and thought leaders. Much to Brene's surprise, sharing her fears resonated with people, not just in that Texas auditorium, but around the world, garnering more than 8 million views on TED.com. Brene's written three books now based on her groundbreaking research, I Thought It Was Just Me, The Gifts of Imperfection, and her New York Times number one bestseller, Daring Greatly. Yeah, so this intro from Oprah, one's great because Brene's a, a fellow Texan. Two, she's on Oprah, who, if uh, you're new to the show, go back into the archives and you'll you'll find one of our shows mm-hmm. uh, on the, the Oprah herself um oh, i can't remember exactly which which show it is but it's uh i think it's probably the first dozen shows we did was uh, yeah yeah good job trying to remember chato and like we're now like 60 plus into it and you're trying to remember whether it was show 12 or 13 i mean that's that's some brain power oh it was show five. Oh, so, oh very good but uh, what's fascinating to me about Brene is her background as a sociologist and researcher and academic when comparing her to some of the other authors and people that we profiled here on the show. So I think the rigor of her, her research and findings is, is very interesting and fascinating. Mm. And um, we love a little bit of rigor in getting insights in our day jobs, Chad. And I, I really love that, that she's almost what I would call forensic about ser- searching yes. for, for true behaviors that people display and sort of unpacking them. And this next clip really takes us to the origin uh, of the book. And here's Brene Brown talking about the role that struggle has to do in making us who we are. I think we lose sight of the beauty, the most beautiful things I look back on in my life are coming out from underneath things I didn't know I could get out from underneath. You know, the moments I look back in my life and think those are the moments that made me were moments of struggle in a culture where we like to fix or prevent vulnerability Brene Brown is reviving the knowledge that our struggles make us who we are and it's based on data social scientific research she conducted first into shame and then into qualities that distinguish lives with a strong sense of worthiness 
She's frank about the resistance her own findings awakened in her, a classic American perfectionist who wore exhaustion as a status symbol. She also discovered a stark gulf between what we want to be true and what is true in vulnerability between men and women. And she exquisitely, uncomfortably describes the difference between making our children happy or raising brave, engaged human beings. This reminds me of the the Stoic uh, saying, you know, the obstacle is oh, yeah. the way, or the, the struggle is what makes mm. us who we are. But the the topics that she's talking about i think are often the most important things that are left unsaid whether that's like in a founding team or startup or a leadership team or even just a team a day-to-day team that you find yourself working in because this idea of kind of you know outsized expectations and shame around wanting to feel connected Mm. with others i think it goes kind of to the root of um, where many problems uh, arise when it comes to to working together yeah and i think this is a really good point chad where we can talk a little bit about why we chose Brene brown and the reason that authors like herself and and simon siddick really matter so much and that is that we often in work particularly talk about the skills of what has to happen. So we talk about, do you have the right technology skills? Can you use the software? Can you get something from A to B? And so it's a very functional, uh, utilitarian discussion about getting the job done. And we preoccupy ourselves with best practices and ROI and all those sorts of things. But the interesting thing is so much of the real magic or the real disaster in a sports team, in a founding team, in a family, comes down to how we treat each other and how we feel. And the craziest thing of all, Chad, is that the way people feel about each other on any team construct is the fire, the engine, the fuel that will determine their success, yet so little is done to discuss to talk about, to understand this essential thing, yet we'll talk about spreadsheets till the cows come home. It's crazy. Yeah. In a way, it's taking care of people as people and taking care of them emotionally is what's going to create sustainable growth and and productivity mm. in, in the in the mm. teams. Because if, if you're not addressing those kind of fundamental emotional needs, you can kind of put a Band-Aid on the problem but it's not going to sustain you uh, in the that's so ch- You know, I think that's a big reason why people aren't staying in jobs as much as they had used to is because they're not getting that foundational support from the teams in, in leadership. Yeah. And that brings us to, to the reason why it's so important to understand the origin of this book, because I think Brene's journey reflects a lot of what we have all found and discovered in our, in our work path. And so let's have a listen to her now really getting into the point at which she started this adventure about Daring Greatly. So I'm excited about Daring Greatly. And I'm excited about you talking to this audience because you watch Super Soul Sunday. Oh, I do. You talking to this audience about what it means to Dare Greatly. This came out of the TED Talk, right? Yeah, it was born of the TED Talk and it was born of just a dozen years of vulnerability research. Uh-huh. And the title itself was a very personal moment in yes. my life. 
Yeah. The Theodore Roosevelt quote? Theodore Roosevelt quote. Yes. Would you give us that quote? I will give you the quote. Um, Which is at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you a little bit about what the story is yes, behind the quote? Yeah. I had done TED and I was everywhere all of a sudden for the first time. Um, I was on CNN.com. I was doing NPR interviews. And my therapist tells me, don't read the comments. My husband says, don't read the comments. But I read the comments. Oh, no. Right. Oh. So one day I was reading the comments and I was devastated. I know. Um, I've read comments before. It's just devastating how was nasty devastated. people can yeah. be. Yeah. And they were comments like, of course she's embracing imperfection. If you were Brene Brown, you'd have to. What choice would you have? Oh. Or less research, more Botox. Or oh. maybe you'll be worthy in 20 pounds. Oh. I mean, these kind, and then they're anonymous, which is yes. such yeah, 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 yeah. chicken mm -hmm. crapola. I'm, I'm not going to cuss during my yeah. thing today. Um, so <laughs> it's just chicken. So I send Steve to work, and I send the kids to school. Your husband, Steve. It's my husband, Steve. And I stay in my pajamas, and I sit down on the couch, and I watch about 10 hours of Downton Abbey reruns and just numb myself out. I eat some peanut butter. I'm just sad. And when it was Because you read the comments. Because I read the comments, and I was like, this is not worth it, man. This is, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't. Were these comments posted on the TED Talk? No, no, they were, that's very curated, which I really appreciate. Yeah. No, these were like anonymous on news websites. Oh, I know. Right. Those are the worst. Like the cesspool of humanity. Yes, right. yeah, those are the worst. Right. Yeah, so I'm done with the Downton Abbey and I'm like, I don't want to go back to my world where all that hurt is. So I get out my laptop and I start Googling like, well, what was happening in the U.S. during the Downton Abbey period? And Theodore Roosevelt's quote comes up because he, yes. So I read it and it says, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit goes to the man who's actually in the arena, mm. whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly and who errs and fails and is sometimes victorious. But when he fails, at least he does so daring greatly. And it changed my life that moment. You know how when you hear something and you're ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And three things happened to me in that moment. The first was, that is who I want to be. I want to be courageous. I want to be daring. You want to be the man in the arena. I want to be in the arena. Yeah. The second thing is, oh my gosh, this is everything I've ever learned about vulnerability. Yes. It's not winning. It's not losing. It's showing up and being seen. And the third thing, which was really helpful for me, is from that second, that millisecond forward, uh -huh. I made a commitment that if you are not in the arena getting your butt kicked on occasion, yeah. I'm not interested in your feedback. Whoa, I love that. Period. Yeah, yeah. And anonymous comments, you're not in the arena, man. You're not in the arena. Put your name on it, own it. If you got something constructive to say, own it and put it in there. Yeah, yeah. say that to me if in If you person. can't say it in front of me in person, yeah. in front of my kids, don't say it. And if you can say it to me in person in front of my kids, duck. <laughs> wow, what a powerful, powerful quote. I have never heard of this, Chad. Have you ever heard of it before? Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites. Oh, man. Um, I, I discovered it may, probably not too long before Brene really popularized it with her TED Talk in, in the books. I haven't memorized it um, like her. But, yeah, I think this idea of the man or the person in the arena is a, is a fantastic. Quote. I love it. I mean, I'm just looking at the quote here. The credit belongs to the man who's actually 
in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, and who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds. I mean, I could go on. This is such a powerful quote. This is, I mean, it, it really is a bit of a Braveheart moment, isn't it? it? It just forces you, am I going to have a go? Am I going to step into the arena? Am I going to try and be my best or not? I think it's an amazing encapsulation of like the entrepreneur's innovator's hero journey, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Yes. It, it, I mean, where you face your greatest demons. And this is where I think great sportsmen, uh, great entrepreneurs, those that have had wins and losses uh, really do love connecting after their careers because I, I, I feel like there's a certain knowingness that if you've stepped into the arena, you can look somebody in the eye and go, I know the challenges you faced and I know the courage that it took to step into the arena. And I think there's a certain knowingness amongst those that have tried, those that have put themselves on the line. I, I feel this speaks to, I mean, this is something you should just read every morning, right? Yeah, it's definitely a quote that I come back to quite often, or at least parts of it. And I mean, she she took her, her book title straight, straight yeah, from it. Yeah, and this captures the whole spirit of the book and the, the, the greatest way in which this thought affects me is that when I face challenge and when I face obstacles and you you find yourself weighing up, should I or shouldn't I? I always think about this idea of, well, at the end of my time, do I want to be laying there saying, I gave it everything, I tried my best, I stepped into the arena? Or do I want to be there saying, I wish I'd had? And I can tell you, Chad, just the feeling of saying, I wish I had tried and I wish I had dared. Mm-hmm is such, like, I have such a, a, a physical response to that. That's what gets me over the line. That's what stops me from getting off track. What gets me on track is the feeling is, I, regardless of my legacy, I always want to know in and of myself that I stepped into the arena and that I tried my best. And what, what Brene Brown is helping us do is, like, you don't want to get to the end and say, I wish I had tried a bit more. No, and... What we have coming up on the show are clips that I think will speak to those of us who maybe find ourselves on a late flight (laughs) or at uh, the office uh, before anyone else shows up. And it's it's those those little voices in our head that tell us things that get us to believe things that maybe aren't necessarily true. That's right. That's right. It's those thoughts that we think like we're the only ones that have Mm. them like, Oh, I'm the only one that's struggling with this. And so Mm. that's why maybe I I can't share it with Mm. someone else. But what I love about Brene's work is she's interviewed thousands, if not tens Mm. of thousands of individuals and has understood that it's a universal, it's a universal thing to struggle with these issues of worthiness, vulnerability, connection, yes. and, and shame. And, and before we kind of get into the second half of the show, where we really get into unpacking this and starting to discover how we can better understand this and get 
the the courage to step into the arena. I do want to remind everybody that we have had some great feedback uh, from listeners recently. And uh, I just want to say how much we really appreciate the emails, the reviews and so forth. I have to say that our ratings uh, and reviews on iTunes are off the charts. Uh, and I'm very grateful to everybody who's contributed. And I also wanted to, to say um, that we are very, very grateful um, uh, to all of you who listen and share and reach out to us. And Chad, if someone's keen to connect with us here at the Moonshots podcast, where should they go? The quickest way to get in touch is to email us at hello at moonshots.io. Uh, but you can also go to moonshots.io, find all of the previous episodes, check out Oprah, episode uh, number five. Uh, there's also a contact form, uh, and you can even get a preview of some of our upcoming episodes. Yeah, we even have like a, a complete list of all of the planned and upcoming uh, shows, so you can give your thoughts and comments. You can follow us on any of the good old social media. You'll get us there. And uh, a special shout-out, I want to call out one of our listeners that reached out to us last week. Um, now, he is a fellow, fellow Sydney sider like myself, and um, I want to say thank you to – I'm going to try and pronounce this name correctly, Chad. you got to help me here. I think it is Hugh Yefer uh, from Sydney. He uh, loves the podcast, and he, uh, he's been digging not only Simon Sinek but Cal Newport. Interestingly, Chad, how similar is the sort of forensic nature of Brené Brown and Cal Newport? Like they're both these deep academics that validate their ideas. That's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I think, I think Brené's the more hardcore academic. I mean, it's very hard to refute uh, her body of evidence when it comes to this research. Sure, sure. But we digress. Back to Hugh Yefer, um, and he was really interested in getting into one of our most popular shows, which is, you know, dis discovering your why. And uh, he sent us lots of great feedback, and he asked us for some tips and tricks, and uh, it was great to be able to help him out, and just great to know that we have listeners all over the world. It's, it's such a buzz uh, to see that these themes of how we make ourselves better as not only entrepreneurs and founders, but as innovators speaks to so many people. So thank you to one and all. But now we've got uh, an action-packed second half of the show where we've got worthiness and vulnerability topics, all these big, stinky topics that nobody really likes to talk about in public. But before we get into worthiness and a vulnerability, Chad, where shall we go? I've learned a whole lot from Brene in talking about some of these sticky emotional uh, subjects. And I love how she kind of unpacks uh, like what leads to different emotional states or different emotional reactions. And I found it fascinating, this connection, or, well, yes, this connection that she makes between shame and connection, i.e., you know, uh, connecting with other people. And so we've got uh, a great clip, again, going back to those voices in mm. our heads that says, I'm not good enough, uh, and maybe that's uh, one of the sources of our shame. So where I started was with connection, because by the time you're a social worker for 10 years, what you realize is that connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. 
this is, this is what it's all about. It doesn't matter whether you talk to people who work in social justice and mental health and abuse and neglect. What we know is that connection, the ability to feel connected is neurobiologically, that's how we're wired, it's why we're here. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna start with connection. Well, you know that, that situation where you get an evaluation from your boss and she tells you 37 things that you do really awesome and one thing that you can't, you know, an opportunity for growth. <laughs> um, and all you can think about is that opportunity for growth, right? Well, apparently this is the way my work went as well because when you ask people about love, they tell you about heartbreak. When you ask people about belonging, they'll tell you their most excruciating experiences of being excluded. And when you ask people about connection, the stories they told me were about disconnection. So very quickly, really about six weeks into this research, I ran into this unnamed thing that absolutely unraveled connection in a way that I didn't understand or had never seen. And so I pulled back out of the research and thought, I need to figure out what this is. And it turned out to be shame. And shame is really easily understood as the fear of disconnection. Is there something about me that if other people know it or see it, that I won't be worthy of connection. The things I can tell you about it, it's universal. We all have it. The only people who don't experience shame have no capacity for human empathy or connection. No one wants to talk about it, and the less you talk about it, the more you have it. What underpinned this shame, this I'm not good enough, which we all know that feeling, I'm not blank enough, I'm not thin enough, rich enough, beautiful enough, smart enough, promoted enough. Um, the thing that underpinned this was excruciating vulnerability. This idea of in order for connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to be seen, really seen. And you know how I feel about vulnerability. I hate vulnerability. And so I thought, this is my chance to beat it back with my measuring stick. I'm going in, I'm gonna figure this stuff out, I'm gonna spend a year, I'm gonna to totally deconstruct shame, I'm gonna understand how vulnerability works, and I'm gonna outsmart it. Hmm. It's so funny, Chad, that the idea that Brene Brown is bringing up here is, I think we all feel obliged to project an image of confidence and that we're mm -hmm. indestructible. But the true irony is, we do this in order to be accepted and to be popular and to be part of something. Yet what Brene is bringing to us is guys and girls, you need to be yourself. You need to be vulnerable and to share this because it's at that point, not only do you understand yourself, but that is the greatest point of connection with others. Whoa, that is some heavy duty stuff, Chad Owen. Yeah, I mean, this is what I meant when it's like those the deep, dark times when no one else, you think no one else is, is watching. It's this, this idea you don't want people to see you for who you really are, but that's not how you're going to do your best work and be your best self. And that we can actually prevent ourselves from connecting if we hold on to this shame. And uh, again, uh, shame is like not a word that maybe I had ever really thought about and said, oh, well, you know, how would you define shame? But the fear of disconnection, I think, is a very apt definition of shame. And I think it's helped me understand, again, how maybe I project uh, a certain uh, persona 
in some situations, whereas I'm, I'm much more comfortable being vulnerable and being maybe m- more of, of my true self uh, in other situations. Yeah, and, and uh, to build on that, I, I would just say that I think uh, when you're around the right people, have the courage mm-hmm. to be yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you will find that people have the capacity the, the right friends will have the capacity to accept you for who you are and see the best in you and will love you for all of your quirks and <laughs> strange oddities. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if when people see the real you and it's not a good fit, well, great, then you just know, hey, there's not, there's not a fit here, I'm going to move on, let's not get too hung up on this. But I think this is really powerful because we are so busy being somebody else Yet Brene Brown is telling us, just be yourself. All in. This concept of shame is also really tied to not not only vulnerability, but I, this idea of worthiness as well. And all of this, you know, circles around the quote that she she led with, and that you elaborated on and and, and repeated this idea of getting into the arena and. I think if you had to describe what it takes to get into the arena, certainly courage would be one of those things. And so we have a great clip from Brene talking about, you know, having this courage uh, to be imperfect. So what I did is I took all of the interviews where I saw worthiness, where I saw people living that way, and just looked at those. What do these people have in common? And I have, I have a slight office supply addiction, but that's another talk. Um, so I had a manila notebook, a manila folder, and I had a Sharpie. And I was like, what am I going to call this research? And the first words that came to my mind were wholehearted. These are kind of wholehearted people living from this deep sense of worthiness. So I wrote at the top of the manila folder. And I started looking at the data. In fact, I did it first in, this very four, in a four-day very intensive data analysis where I went back, pulled these interviews, pulled the stories, pulled the incidents. What's the, what's the theme? What's the pattern? My husband left town with the kids um, <laughs> because I always go into this kind of Jackson Pollock crazy thing where I'm just like writing and, and going and kind of just in my researcher mode. And so here's what I found. What they had in common was a sense of courage and I want to separate courage and bravery for you for a minute. Courage, the original definition of courage, when it first came into the English language, it's from the Latin word cur, meaning heart, and the original definition was to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. And so these folks had, very simply, the courage to be imperfect. They had the compassion to be kind to themselves first and then to others, because as it turns out, we can't practice compassion with other people if we can't treat ourselves kindly. And the last was they had connection, and this was the hard part, as a result of authenticity. They were willing to let go of who they thought they should be in order to be who they were, which is you have to absolutely do that for connection. The other thing that they had in common was this. They fully embraced vulnerability. They believed that what made them vulnerable made them beautiful. They didn't 
talk about vulnerability being comfortable, nor did they really talk about it being excruciating, as I had heard earlier in the shame interviewing. They just talked about it being necessary. They talked about the willingness to say I love you first. The willingness to do something where there are no guarantees. The willingness to breathe through waiting for the doctor to call after your mammogram. The willing to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. They thought this was fundamental. Hoo-ha, Chad Owen, the courage to be imperfect. There, there is a lot to say inside of this. When you hear this in this kind of pursuit of worthiness and finding the courage to be imperfect, how do you, how do you start with your relationship to this idea? Like what comes to mind first when you hear her speaking? I think, I think what's speaking to me and I would guess with much of our audience as well is this concept of being kind to yourself first mm. so that you can be kind and compassionate mm. to others is building on this idea from the last show of we are our own worst <laughs> critics. Um, getting beyond that can be very hard sometimes and it can kind of blind us to, you know, celebrating our true successes and celebrating the things that are working, <laughs> the, the things about us that are good and positive. Um, and so I think for, for me, it's just being reminded to take this, take some time to pause and reflect and be kind to yourself first. And that that will pay dividends uh, in, in all of your relationships mm. and connections with others. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That so much of the, the way in which we, connect and interact with the world around us starts with ourselves. And in fact, the third book that we're going to cover in Brene's series, Braving the Wilderness, is all about connecting with yourself so you can connect with others. So you can see there's a nice story arc of the three books we've covered. We've got The Gift of Imperfection, which is really about coming to terms with yourself. Daring Greatly is getting that, that individual, that self, to take a step into the arena and the third one, this Braving the Wilderness book, is really all about relating to the world and the people around you, your community, if you will. So, um, quite, I mean, there's, there, there's, as I've said, look, there's so much in that. I just, I just love the fact that the challenge she's giving us in that clip was, look, have the courage to accept that you're imperfect. Have the, the capacity to find that in yourself first. Almost forgive yourself first so that you can go out into the world. And when you go out into the world, uh, that's where you go and step into the arena, get things done. And sometimes we need to check in and get someone's point of view, uh, maybe get some support or some advice, some counsel. And oh, Chad, we've, we've got a great clip coming up on, on that. And this is the idea of vulnerability. But, but before we get there, Chad, before we go to being vulnerable towards others, do you? How do you think taking on board what Brene is saying? What advice do we have for each other and our listeners about the courage to be imperfect, about the capacity for us to be worthy for ourselves first? Well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put our money where what is it? Our money where your mouth is. I'm, I, I'm gonna put the money where where the mouth where my mouth is because I, I think you and I are actually working on this as 
soon as last night <laughs> in, in, in terms of um, when we're checking in with one another uh, in our work, just pausing and in, in, in asking one another, you know, how are mm. you? Um, not as how's the work going, how can I help, but how are you? And I, I, I think that just because um, you had asked me that, we had a, a much more meaningful uh, conversation that I think is going to be much more helpful for us going forward, not only in our work, but in our working relationship and mm. friendship going going forward. And so, I mean, I, I think I experienced the power of vulnerability just in um, our conversation last night. And it was really just simply taking a moment to acknowledge um, one another in our, for lack of a better way of describing it, like our emotional yeah. state and our emotional needs and, you know, where we're struggling in that and, and um, how we can support one another in that yeah. way. I think, yeah, just like the power of the check-in, I guess, is what I'm Yeah, I'm and, not, and maybe, you know, what you're getting to is like, let's ask ourselves and our dearest friends, how are you? And give them permission to say, you know what? Not so great. Because how often mm -hmm. do we get into like auto response? Yeah, great. Awesome. Fantastic. Really busy. <laughs> you know, all the stock standard answers. Uh -huh. Like create time and space for people and maybe even create time and space for yourself to actually say, you know what, this thing's fine, this thing's good, but this other thing stinks. It causes me anxiety, it causes me stress, I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, whatever is the appropriate way. Like create the space and, and be courageous. Maybe we have to lead uh, in conversations with others around us by, mm. by sharing first. I mean, that's classic parenting tip. If you want your kids to talk to you more about what's happening in their lives, start by talking about your day. And perhaps mm -hmm. in this case, we need to start making ourselves vulnerable, not only to ourselves, but to those around us to help them be vulnerable in return. Yeah, but Mike, like, I just want to feel better and I want to like, <laughs> right? So like, just tell me what to do to, to, to feel give better. Me, give, me the, give me the short list and I'll go and buy all the ingredients. And um, Yeah, give me yes. the strategies. And, and this <laughs> next clip, Chad, is totally that. This is Brene Brown talking about her own personal journey in, in the fact that she is an author on vulnerability and worthiness and courage and all these great topics. It's not that she's perfect and she's quite ready to admit that. So off she went. She's, uh, she's you know, clinically trained as a psychologist and you can go to a psychologist for a psychologist. And uh, this is her personal story. It's, it's pretty hilarious. But also I think we all fall victim of it. Okay, yeah, I know I've got some problems. Just, just tell me what the answer is. But the truth really is we need to go and find it. So let's have a listen to Brene Brown talking about her journey into vulnerability. So I found a therapist. My first meeting with her, Diana, I brought in my list of the way the wholehearted live. And I sat down and she said, you know, how are you? And I said, I'm great, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And she said, what's going on? And I said, and this is a therapist who sees therapists because we have to go to those because their BS meters are good. Um, <laughs> and so I said, here's the thing, I'm struggling. And she said, what's the struggle? And I said, well, I have a vulnerability issue. And, you know, and I know that vulnerability is kind of the core of shame and fear 
and our struggle for worthiness, but it appears that it's also the birthplace of joy, of creativity, of belonging, of love, and I, I think I have a problem, and I just, I need some help. And I said, but here's the thing, no family stuff, no childhood shit, I just, <laughs> I just need some strategies. Thank you. Um, so she goes like this. And then I said, it's bad, right? And she said, it's neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. And I said, oh my God, this is going to suck. Um, and it did, and it didn't. Um, and it took about a year. And you know how there are people that like when they realize that vulnerability and tenderness are important, that they kind of surrender and walk into it? A, that's not me. And B, I don't even hang out with people like that. Um, for me, it was a year-long street fight. It was a slugfest. Vulnerability pushed, I pushed back. I lost um, the fight, but probably won my life back. And so then I went back into the research and spent the next couple of years really trying to understand what they, the wholehearted, um, what the choices they were making and, and what, what, is, what, what are we doing with vulnerability? Why do we struggle with it so much? Am I alone in struggling with vulnerability? No. So she didn't get her strategies, <laughs> but uh, it sounds like it worked out. In the yeah, she had to work a, a little bit harder, but it's, it's so great to have her share that even she struggles with the own her own topic of expertise i mean the irony is so so very thick but it is so important that what she presents to us there is how prescriptive we can be of the solutions for things like this but we so mm -hmm. often underestimate the the immensity of our emotional state when we talk about shame and worthiness, vulnerability, and the courage to be ourselves, the courage to try and be the best version of ourselves, the, the, the challenge to help others be their best. I mean, this stuff is, is so, we're so, uh, there's so little language, there's so little standards for talking about this compared to best practices of, you know, generally accepted accounting principles, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, we're all, we've all got the trainer wheels on with this kind of stuff. Don't you think, Chad? Yeah. What I'm taking away here is like vulnerability is just about putting yourself out there. And so here she is someone who's trained. It's like, maybe I should go and talk to a therapist about this so that I can understand vulnerability, not only in my research, but how it relates to me in my own life. And she says that it won her life back. So, you know, clearly there were some things that were going unaddressed with her and where even though she steeped these things all day long, getting that outside perspective and, and third-party counsel was, was very empowering. For mm, it was. And it shows you that if, if she needs a little help along the way, however we find our help, you know, we should be open to it. And if, if, if you imagine, Chad, that uh, one of our listeners is listening to this and saying, whew, you know, I really do want to step in the arena, but I'm, 
I'm really struggling with like feeling very vulnerable here. I'm not sure if I'm worthy. I don't want to be rejected for, for my failure. What, what sort of things do you think we can all do in finding our own source of guidance and help when we want to do that? I mean, obviously read this book sounds like a good start, but, but what are some of the practical things you think we can adopt as practices as we go on this journey, Chad? I think we have to start small. So don't sign up for a TED Talk as your first moment of uh, sharing, sharing your vulnerabilities. Um, that, that sounds like, uh, like a recipe for disaster. But I would, I would encourage all of us to, to pick a partner. It can be your life partner. It could be a business partner. Uh, it could be a team member um, or a sibling or, or a family member. Pick someone, I think, that you make the small commitment to start sharing some of these feelings around connection and shame and vulnerability. And I think going back and forth, you'll understand that it's maybe not so hard to do, and you'll start to see some of the benefits. And then maybe you can do it in the team context, or you can Mm. do it in the company context, or you can do it in the family context. But I think starting small is probably the best way to tackle this. And of course, you can always seek out a therapist and, and do talk therapy. I, I'm a big believer uh, in it. And so, yeah, I think, you know, we saw Brene do it. So um, that's also an, an avenue if you, if you have the means. How about um, this, Chad? To, what about so. just writing down the, that little voice in the back of your mind, like having the courage just to start writing down what that thought is? Ah, that's... That's even easier, yeah. right? Because then you can burn you can burn the pages afterwards. <laughs> no one ever has to read them. But like you know, that I, I find writing like a like a, just such a great medicine for so many things going on in my head. Um, I'm gonna steal I'm gonna steal your journaling idea, Mike. Uh, that that that's yeah. my idea. Just write just write it down. <laughs> oh, super super. Well, listen, we we've got one more clip, Chad, and we're sort of now getting into what we have to do, what's required, if, what, what's the context of daring to be great, stepping into the arena, uh, and as uh, Steph Curry kind of says, being the best version of ourselves. So I think it might be time to, to dig into this last Brene Brown clip, and um, it's really going after this question of what is it what does daring greatly mean? What, is, what does it look like? What does it feel like? And how might we like to think about it? So let's get into this inspiring little clip of Brene Brown answering the question, what does daring greatly mean? So what does it mean then to dare greatly? To me, it means the courage to be vulnerable. It means to show up and be seen, to ask for what you need, talk about how you're feeling, to have the hard conversations. You know, when we asked people in the research, you know, what is vulnerability to you? Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I was raised that vulnerability is, is weakness, right. like most people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that was... That most was, people think vulnerability is weakness. Right. And you know what? After reading uh, Darren Gregley, what I realized, and, and, and The Gifts of Imperfection, what I realized, first of all, is I live in the space of vulnerability. And that is what has made me so successful, is my vulnerability with the audience. And I think that vulnerability is sort of the cornerstone of confidence. I think it's the cornerstone because... I believe that. Because unless you can uh, allow yourself to take the risk, 
to be open, to live as a wholehearted person. When you can do that, you recognize that you're really just like everybody else. And that gives you the confidence to be yourself, which is all you really need in life, is to be That's more it. of yourself. And I do believe, you know, coming from vulnerability is weakness, when we ask people, what is vulnerability? And they said things to us like, the first date after my divorce, mm. trying to get pregnant after my third miscarriage sitting with my wife who has stage four breast cancer, making plans for our young children. You know, the biggest examples that came up from the research was picking up the phone and making a call to someone who's just had a great loss. Oh, yes. You know, and I thought about that in my own life. Like, you know, there's the phone. I walk up to it and I'm like, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? That's what everybody fears. It's gonna make gonna it say? better. Yeah. There's yeah, nothing yeah. I can say except I'm here, I'm hurting with you, you're mm -hmm. not alone. But you know what, I'll call in an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I come back an hour, I'm like, oh man, it's dinner time. I'm gonna make a casserole. I'm gonna We've make an expensive casserole. We've all done that. Right. Yeah. And then what happens when an hour turns into a day, turns into a week, yeah. and then it's a month later, and you run into that friend at the grocery store? Well, you know what? And you what didn't call. Just to show up. That's all people want. It's That's just it. To, if, it's for you to show up and say, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. I can't fix this, yeah. but I'll walk through the pain with you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, but then what is the feeling that we get when we make the call and we hang up? To me, that feeling is when I'm aligned with my values. And courage is my value. Absolutely. And you can't get to courage without walking through vulnerability, period. Ooh, Chad, that one, uh, there was a lot. I think, I'm, I, think I say yeah. this after every Brene Brown clip. There was a lot in that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where do we want to start on breaking that one down? Uh, Again, I, I love how she breaks down a concept like courage, and she defines it as, as wholeheartedness. Mm -hmm. I, I really like that concept, and I think that's what I'm taking away from this last clip is how to, how to be a wholehearted, worthy, feeling worthy in life. Because the, all those moments that they talk about are very difficult. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it really comes down to... I, I really understood like success lays in the capacity to be yourself and to be vulnerable. And when you can think, feel, and do in total alignment with who you truly are. Mm. And I think she really closed it out very, very inspiringly. Like you, your success comes when those things are in alignment, when you're being true to yourself mm -hmm. and to others and, knowing that you won't always be in that state of flow and harmony. In fact, you'll face a lot of challenge in getting there, but always striving for that alignment between the values and the things that you do and things you think. Wow. I mean, it's like we need two or three shows just to digest one book from Brene Brown, Chad. <laughs> I mean, this is heavyweight stuff. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many more concepts that Brene talks about, not only in this book, but in, in her wide breadth of work. Uh, I know she's spoken on things like imposter syndrome mm. and, and many, many others, but we're not leaving Brene just yet. We have one more show coming up with Brene. that's right we're going to go into her her most one of her most recent books braving the wilderness and it's a great build as we talked about it earlier in the show you know braving the wilderness is about connecting with others daring greatly is about you living up to your wildest ambitions and dreams and, and stepping into the arena and the gift of imperfection was really about the courage to be yourself what a what a great triumvirate of of books i mean that is some 
Uh, that is some exciting stuff. How do you think, where do you expect things to go in the next show, Chad, when we, when we get into braving the wilderness? Well, I think we had close to 25 clips for this show. I'm sure we'll find <laughs> far too many <laughs> to fit into the next. I, I'm, I'm very impressed by her articulateness of yes. her ideas. I think she's talking about very, she's talking about things that people don't often talk about. And she talks about them in a very approachable mm -hmm. way. I think that's what I like most about not only her kind of public appearances. I mean, she even has a Netflix special now, but also in her writing mm -hmm. as well. It's very approachable and understandable. And I'm learning a lot about how she's sharing uh, all of her knowledge with, with her authors and, and her mm -hmm. audience. Mm -hmm. Yep. Inspiring stuff and, and quite challenging, actually. I think Simon Sinek is also an author that challenges us, but I think Brene Brown takes it a whole level further into the deeper, deepest, darkest caverns of our subconscious and uh, exposing some things that really need to see the light of day. And I think that's a, a special gift. Chad, this one, this, this show's been intense. It was like if the show prep wasn't enough of a challenge, getting all the microphones and softwares working. <laughs> then, then the fire alarm at WeWork was going off. Let's just double down. And then we got an onslaught of big ideas around how we might dare to be great. I mean, whew, I'm exhausted, Chad, and I still haven't got to the office yet. I know, I know. And I've, I've still got uh, some preparations for our uh, Thanksgiving holiday here in the States to get done before uh, hitting the road to spend some connection time with with family well i think uh you go armed with so much inspiration from a great book and i hope that you all of our listeners got lots and lots of little special nuggets little gems little rough diamonds that you can polish up from brene brown in her book daring greatly chad it has been wonderful i think this has been uh, just another great uh, stop along the way on the journey of the Moonshots uh, podcast. So I want to say thanks to you. Uh, what are you most looking forward to on Thanksgiving? Is there a particular dish that you're really eyeing up and thinking, I could have me a double portion? I'm making a brand new dessert. I'm attempting a cranberry mm. tart. And my wife is making an apple pie. Can't go wrong with American apple pie. So looking forward to uh, that. I'm a sweets person. Uh, I've got an insatiable sweet tooth, so I'll, I'll be eating all of the oh, sweet things. That weekend. sounds so damn good. Any any Christmas or Thanksgiving lunch that comes with two desserts, not just one, I'll take a ticket to that one. So I hope you, Chad, enjoy yourself immensely over this Thanksgiving break. Uh, I can't wait to uh, do the third and final show for Brene Brown. It's been wonderful thus far. I want to thank you. I want to thank our listeners. Uh, we have got to the end of another Moonshots podcast. Thank you for all of your thoughts, comments, emails, social likes and comments. You can find us at moonshots.io. Thanks again. And that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>